Welcome to episode 036 on One Work Mama, asking for support, love and guidance with Amy Landry. Welcome, I'm your host, Clara Bade. One Work Mama is a journey of awakening through the raw, sometimes painful, always beautiful and definitely messy ride that is motherhood. This is our journey in mind, body and soul towards consciousness. We seek clarity, we hunt down the truth, we dive into the discomfort of healing, uncovering shadows and rising out of them back into the new woman that we're meant to be. Beautiful one, I'm currently offering a three-session EFT and somatic-based coaching package. My books are open to take on new clients at the moment. In three short but transformative sessions, which predominantly harness energy psychology tools like EFT and matrix re-imprinting, and somatic therapy practices, we will hit the reset button on those subconscious programs, those inner child wounds, long-held traumas, and anything else that's running the show for you in the background. Your personal growth, transformation, and healing doesn't have to derail your entire life or become a massive project. So this program allows you to not only learn or relearn powerful and simple tools, but to really open up to a new way of being in your world and to open up to a new experience, a new flow, a new energy within you and therefore reflected in your daily life. I do have limited spots, so please get in touch now. It's discounted for those book in January. Head over to Instagram, find me at Claire O Wellness and DM me there directly to book in your complimentary 30-minute soul session where I will get to know you, you will get to know me and we can figure out how to make this beautiful package called Open work as best as it can for you. Okay, let's enjoy today's episode. Hey beautiful, welcome to today's episode, which is actually an oldie but a goodie taken from my online meditation program, which is now available as a downloadable bundle. It's called Om Mama Love, and it is a package of 12 meditations designed for mamas, and it features a meditation, an interview, and some awesome other goodies. You can get that on my meditation shop on my website, clarabay.com. Amy Landry featured in that particular program where we discussed asking for love, support, and guidance. Amy is a fellow yogi, a yoga teacher, an Ayurvedic obsessive, an essential oil lover, and a woman that I admire so much. And she is doing beautiful things in the world. She is so beautifully focused on being a pure vessel to retain, share, and teach the ancient practices of yoga and Ayurveda. She talks about living in alignment from a perspective of your body's intelligence, from your spirit, from your soul, from the principles of nature. She is somebody that I think is just so authentic and full of wisdom and from a motherhood perspective is incredibly inspiring as well. She puts her whole heart into being the, the, the kind of mother that her beautiful little boy needs and 
treads lightly on the earth and is conscious in everything that she does. So the conversation today is one that I just had to bring forward for you so that you could actually experience some of Amy's delicious wisdom, love and light. And I know that her little boy has just turned three and in this call, he was only three months. So I think that's just really special. I also know that you'll need to be watching along with Amy because there's some good stuff coming out from her very soon, including her own podcast. I just feel like a fire is about to be lit from Amy and coming out beautifully to serve you all. So please do tune in and enjoy this. And of course, connect with Amy. I'll pop all of her details in the show notes and reach out to her. I know she would love that. Okay, guys, enjoy. So today, Amy and I are going to be diving into the experience and the theme of asking for support, guidance, and love, which as women, let alone mamas, we know is something we all need to do more of, but we struggle with. So I'm hoping that Amy, as a new mama to a little beautiful boy of three months old, and I can help shed some light on this beautiful topic for you. So if you haven't heard of Amy, she is an incredible woman. Her name is Amy Landry, and she is a beacon of light for women wanting to create long-lasting change inside to out via ancient practices of yoga and Ayurveda. Owing to her teachings of movement and mindfulness, Amy has cemented herself as a new generation leader, an inspirational teacher, speaker, mentor, mama, container of tradition, and passionate chai consumer, which I love. She's renowned for her continuously sold-out international retreats, and Amy is part of the Ambassador Family for Australian Yoga Journal. She's also been featured on the cover of Om Yoga and Lifestyle Magazine and Yoga Magazine in the UK, is a regular contributor for yoga via the Nature and Health Magazine, and has presented at festivals including Wonderlust, Evolve, Byron Spirit Festival, and Ecom Yoga Festival. And she's taught globally in India, Sri Lanka, Malaysia, and beyond. So we have... A yogi at heart here and a woman who I know is bringing consciousness and presence into her journey as a mama. So Amy, I would love to welcome you. Thank you so much for having this chat with me today. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. Such a pleasure. Thanks, honey. So we are going to dive into talking about the power and importance of asking for support, guidance and love. And you know this, many of us mamas and many of us women don't ever ask for help pre-baby let alone when baby arrives, mm. uh, even though everything is telling us, mind, body, and soul, that we need support. You know, we, we don't have the same tribes as we used to, but obviously we need to be held in different ways on this journey. And I know that your bubby's three months old, so you're still fresh in this journey, but you've obviously been through the journey of pregnancy as well. And we know that those first three months in the newborn phase is a pretty wild time and probably the time you need the most support and guidance. Mm. So let me start with this question. Was it a common practice for you before your little man arrived to ask for support and guidance in your life? Beautiful question. And look, to be completely transparent, um, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on any of this in any, in any way, just to simply contribute to the conversation. And I personally have my whole life been such a doer, a planner, the organizer, the initiator, the leader. And so the answer to that question is definitely not. Um, I've always been really independent and tried to take on anything and everything in the whole world at once. Um, and 
you know, I, I've always been of that kind of mindset of, oh, well, look, if you need something done, give it to somebody who's busy, which is I myself. <laughs> um, so it's been a great learning for me um, through all its awkwardness and resistance to really confront the reality that I need to reach out more, um, not only for direct help, but just to feel more connected with other people, particularly going through the same kind of journey as me. Mm. I love that you just said that, that it's not just about help, but also the connection, which we should definitely elaborate on because I think that is the love and the guidance more so than just is somebody cooking me dinner tonight. That's so vital to our journey as mamas. Yes. Absolutely. So let me just ask you here before we go into that, how has asking for support, love and guidance unfolded for you over the last three months? What's it I think, uh, (laughs) yeah, look, again, total transparency. Sometimes it's messy. Um, I think, in short, the most effective way of reaching out and asking for support um, and again, this is just something I've learned along the way through trial and error, is to get really clear on what I need, what I want, and to really simplify things, look ahead. So let me give you an example. Um, I might look ahead at my week and think about the times that I need help or the places that I need help and support. So I'm talking about, you know, whether or not I just need my mum to come around or I need my husband to take the baby, like right now, um, and to get really clear on those key times so that they're quite objective things that I can ask you know, other people for help around. Mm. So, you know, asking for emotional support and connection and stuff is a little bit more, I guess, um, a subjective way of asking for help. You know, I just need, you know, we'll come, we'll come to that. But basically the last three months, it's about being very clear and saying, look, this is happening at this time, or I just really want two hours on this day or this time. Can you help me? Can you make that happen? And that's generally been what has been most effective for me, um, in the way of asking for other people to give me some hands-on help so that I can have space, space to do work, space to go for a walk, space to rest, you know, whatever it may be. So it's about thinking ahead that I've found most effective because I find that in the moment that we might need help, if we haven't already reached out to other people, we're coming from a place of anxiety and and we might feel emotional and desperate. And this just sort of amplifies that sense of stress. Mm. So the most effective way I've been able to get support and feel helped by other people yeah, is to think ahead and go, okay, on Thursday, on Friday, would you mind this time, this time, does that work for you? And then I have a little bit more peace of mind knowing that, you know, tomorrow afternoon my mum's going to be here from this time to this time and it just gives me a little bit more of a sense of calm. Mm. So I don't know if that's an answer, direct answer to the question. Mm, No, it is. Um, But, yeah, that's sort of been what's been working for me the last three months. So has it been easy for you to do that considering you described yourself as independent and a doer and just getting things done has that been easy or has that been challenging for you to even just to because I know for myself I found it really challenging to even say could you hang up a load of laundry for me or could you come around so that I can lie down for 30 minutes I found that difficult 
sure. Yes, I did. I have, and I still do find it difficult. And I think that probably the way I have effectively got around it, around the guilt of asking and around the fear of, you know, maybe my husband being a little impatient or frustrated that I might be interrupting something that he really needs to do. I found the most effective way to ask for help is to acknowledge what they're doing or acknowledge their time first. And that makes me feel perhaps a little less guilty, you know, by saying to them, oh, look, I recognize that you've got this, that and the other going on or that you're trying to accomplish this or get through that. However, I just wondered if you wouldn't mind quickly doing this or, you know, so I find it's really effective and acknowledging the other person first and foremost. Mm. And that makes them a little bit more willing because you've acknowledged them and you've acknowledged that it's, um, I guess you're, you're showing that you value them and you value their time and what they're doing and what they need. And that in return makes them a little bit more open and willing to, you know, to help you or to help me, if that makes sense. That's a really beautiful suggestion. I think that's a really heart, heart driven way of calling in that support and that love. And, and, and sorry to interject, Claire, but I, I, I think at the end of the day, every mama, particularly new mamas, we really don't have to do that. Yes. You know, I really feel like the people around us should be willing really to drop everything and help us. I, and But in an ideal, that's in an ideal world that that would happen. And I think to keep a sense of calm in every household and every greater community of family support by acknowledging and recognizing the other people, that's where we, we find that there is a sincerity and a consistency from the people around us in their willingness to help. Mm, and I think the advice you've just shared there is actually really important for mamas even further down the line, you know, whether you have a newborn or, or perhaps it's even more relevant when you've got a two-year-old or a five-year-old or a 10-year-old, that you're already in this rhythm of motherhood and so you're not in the intensity of the newborn stage. And it's still imperative that we have support at those other stages, but perhaps leading with acknowledging this other person in their time takes the guilt off you like you've described but then also really supports you in getting that support back mm. without causing disruptions or you know not taking that person's time into value so I think that's actually really beautiful advice for all of us at different stages mm. because as you said at the at the newborn stage I definitely do f- feel that we should be cultivating a, a environment where people are there as much as possible to support you. However, it doesn't always happen. But as you go down the line, you know, I've got a two-year-old. I still need support. But what mm. you just suggested is a really awesome way, I think, of alleviating that guilt and also bringing that person into your circle of trust and, and, and telling them that you love them and value them, that you do need them. Mm. And people are so much more willing to be supportive, aren't they, when they feel that you have taken them into consideration. Absolutely. I love yeah. that. I think that's really special. So obviously it, it's not an easy thing to always ask for support, but it sounds like you are doing your best to, like everything with motherhood, to, to try on the experiences that are uncomfortable for you and to make them mm. fit in some way at every step. And I think, you know, the simple act of giving birth 
the labor itself is quite empowering or I like, well, my experience was, and I, and I guess it's different, you know, some women in reality, let's be truth, truthful here. You know, some people actually have some disempowering circumstances at birth. Um, however, in my experience, my birth was really empowering and, um, I think that that has enabled me to be a little bit more fearless, perhaps. Well, maybe fearless is not the right word because there is fear and guilt in asking for help. But I guess a more a courage, courage would be the right mm. word, to be more courageous in just pushing through out of my comfort zone and just doing it and just going, you know what, I need to do this. I need to ask for help. I need more support. Yes. And sometimes, look, you don't get it. You mm. don't get it. You might get resistance, but you've just got to ask for it. So what do you do when you don't get the support that you felt you needed in that time? Well, I do think, you know, in reality, it can be upsetting and it has been upsetting. Um, but I also think that it, what it has done for me, um, it has enabled me to a be reflective. So, okay, well, how am I going to manage this? How can I step up and, and, and deal with this? How am I going to cope? And at the same time, it has shown me that I actually have a far greater potential and capacity to cope and to manage mm. on my own. Uh, I know there was a period of time, there was a week that my parents actually went away um and and this is in the in the three month period that's just gone by they were away for a week and my husband's family he's Canadian and they're all overseas so that direct support wasn't here for a week and my husband has been working um this year more than ever before you know of course these things happen when you know you have a newborn baby but it's important that he takes that work um and I basically freaked out. I was like, oh my God, I've got a whole week where I've basically got to do this all on my own. Um, and I did reach out to friends and whatnot, but unfortunately I only got a couple of responses. And of course they were from the friends that actually have small children themselves. Um, but the, the greatest lesson in that week for me, I had two or three days where I, it was just me and bub for about 12 to 14 hours straight through. And this is at a time where he wasn't really sleeping or napping. And, you know, and I was just at, at the beginning, I was, yeah, I was totally freaked out. I was in over my head. I was like, I'm not going to survive this week. This is going to be far too much. And when I got through the first day of that week, which happened to be a 12 hour day, and I realized, oh my goodness, I just did it. It empowered me for the next day and the next day. And so being thrown into that situation where I did not have really any solid support for a week with a pretty much a newborn baby, I think he was probably around seven, eight weeks perhaps. Um, that was a great learning for me. And I remember at the end of that week, I had so much more confidence mm -hmm. in myself that's and I went, okay, I, I can do this. So sometimes the downside of, well, the upside of what seems like a downside of not getting help is we learn to trust in our own potential and capacity to do what is innately within us. And that is to be a mother mm. and to do a good job. I love that. And I think the offshoot of that is that you then learn to really ask for support and guidance when you know you truly need it. Yeah. As opposed right. to no one would ever be flippant but you know you, you your capacity to cope obviously has increased and you believe in yourself and you feel more courageous so that when you do actually ask for help you know it's because you're saying to yourself 
I truly need rest or support or someone to hold this baby or whatever it is because I know right now I know my level and I've reached it and I really need support and I think that's important because then you have a gauge right you're not just falling apart at the drop of the hat but you're actually now saying this is it this is the moment I need help Mm -hmm. I had a very similar experience around about the two-week mark when my husband had to go back to work he'd taken about 10 days or two weeks off and I remember literally shaking just with terror at the thought and bursting into tears that he was going to be leaving me and how I was going to do this. Mm-hmm. And the same thing by the end of the week, I thought, I've got this. This is okay. We found our rhythm. We've got a rhythm. We'll do it. Yeah. And then, of course, she changed the rhythm again. <laughs> <laughs> As it always happened. But that is beside the point. So yeah. let's dive into the idea of the tribe, right? Because we don't live in circles and tribes anymore. We don't have the community, which breaks my heart a little bit because we are not meant to raise children on our own. We're meant to be able to know that we look up from whatever we're doing and there's an auntie, an uncle, a cousin, whoever that's there to catch our children if we're not ready to catch them. So talk to me about your feelings around this, this tribe that we don't have and perhaps how you can call in a tribe in the, the life and the world that we live in now and how you're mm. perhaps doing that. Yeah, look, that I think it's a really, really important subject to address and for women who maybe who are listening in that have not actually had children yet who are maybe expecting, um, it's something to really give consideration to before Barbie comes along. Um, I don't and I have not really felt like in the classic sense of the word that I've had a tribe or I have a tribe around me. So my parents are here and they're great. They're amazing, but they're both still working. My husband's whole family is overseas. My sister lives four and a half hours away. All my auntie and uncles and cousins are, don't live anywhere near me. Mm. So, um, in that family respect, I don't have that tribe around. Um, and, I've spent a lot of time in India and I have a lot of friends in the Indian community and it's really beautiful to see that that is really ingrained in their culture. So whether or not the, the, um, the mother of the mother, the mother of the new mother moves back, moves in with them to help, you know, help her daughter with raising the baby, or it could be an auntie that comes to stay or, you know, whatever. And some friends, if they've got family in India and they're in Australia, they'll fly back over and they'll just live with their family for a long time. So there's this real sense of, it's not even a, it's not even negotiable. It's Mm. just what you do. Mm. Um, and I think in the Western culture, we just, yeah, we don't have that, um, sort of pull your socks up and get on with it. Um, and even in my circle of friends, I'm one of those people who have lots of individual friends from different sort of circles or jobs or, you know, communities. So I'm not part of a close knit sort of tribe of girls or my friends from high school. So that the, the, the idea of the tribe was actually one of concern for me that I did think about. I thought, Oh, what am I going to do? And, um, Fortunately, for a week or two, when Bub came along, my husband had time off and he was just a godsend. He did everything. He spoon fed me. He made every meal, every cup of tea, every glass of water, you know, and that was amazing. And then like you, Claire, he went back to work and holy moly, was I in shock. (laughs) Um, And then I went, where's my tribe, basically? And relevant to this is that um, 
my husband kept saying, my parents want to come visit. My parents want to come meet the baby. And I had decided to take the approach in the yoga and Ayurvedic system uh, that that sort of first 30 to 40 days postpartum, you stay at home, you basically hibernate, everybody does everything for you pretty much, you bond with your baby, et cetera, et cetera. And that was my vision. However, I knew that there would be challenges there because I have certain, I guess, standards when it comes to nutrition and food. So I knew what I wanted. And yet I also knew I wouldn't be able to make all my meals and that my husband would be at work and what was I going to do. And I really wanted that high potent nutrition, not just for me and my recovery, but also for my bub. Um, and, and that, that was challenging for me. And, um, and I did actually end up making a lot of my meals, but point of the point of point of saying all this is that my husband kept saying, my parents want to come, my parents want to come. And I was like, okay, just, you've got to wait till the 30 to 40 days is up. And then I'll let you know when a good time is for them to come. Because, you know, as I'm sure most of the people listening to this, or most of the women listening can appreciate having your in-laws come to <laughs> live with you just after you've had a baby, yeah. when your boobs are leaking and you just want to walk around in your underwear and, you know, and you're crying and you're, you're recovering. No, no. <laughs> like, you'd, like you sure, have your own mum, have your own parents, but to have your in-laws, as much as I love them and, you know, we, we have a good relationship, that was just like That's a, a total, no. total yes. no. Like, you know, and that was really hard for my husband to understand. And and hard for him just because he wanted to share the experience with his family. And I, I said to him, look, it'd be different if they lived here and they could visit every day, but to actually live with us is, you know. So my biggest learning is that I was saying no. I was saying no to him and I was saying, I will tell you when it's okay for them to come out. Now, that probably doesn't sound unreasonable. However, one day, <clears throat> one day I came to him and I said, I need your mum. I need help. Mm. I need her to get on a plane and come out. And she did. She literally booked a flight online within 24 hours and she was on that flight within a couple of days. And she came out for two and a half weeks. And it was beautiful because she was really hands-on. She's such a classic grandma. She's already got heaps of grandkids. Um, so she's a total, total pro, you know. And she walked through the door. She scooped up our baby and she was just a godsend. Mm. And had she have not been here, because my husband was working so much and my parents still work, I do not know what I would have done. And so I really had to try to break through what I thought I wanted Yes, at the time. And I just had, uh, one day I had the realization and, and, and thankfully she was able to drop everything and purchase a ticket and fly out. And by the time she got here, you know, however many days later it was, it was really like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad you're here right now. Like you couldn't have come any later. You know, this is, I need you. This is perfect. And it actually really helped our relationship deepen um, because as mentioned, she lives overseas. So there is that distance factor. Um, And I actually learned a lot from her, watching her care for our baby, our baby boy, you know, because she's done it. So she's already got four children of her own and then a gazillion grandchildren. She's a pro. And so I actually got an opportunity to learn from her and to watch her. So again, I guess the greatest learning in all this was 
yes, it's important to have your vision and to stand by what you want and what you need, but you also need to be prepared that one day all that's going to be shattered Mm. and you're just going to say something completely different. You're going to contradict yourself in what your needs are. Mm. And, um, And that's what really happened for me. I had this vision. And it only worked for so long. And yes, I did the hibernation thing. Yes, I just, you know, did the whole 30 to 40 days inside. I had to then break through though and say, Mm. I need help. I need her to come. She's my only hope, you know. And you called in a tribe in whichever way you could. And I think the, the beautiful thing about what you've just shared is that it's not always going to be the, the tribe or the community or the support that we maybe think we want or that we have envisioned as well. But Absolutely. It will be exactly what you need as long as you just say yes to it. And I think that that's really key. Is you made me actually a little bit teary when you said, um, I, I need her, I need her to come here. Because I remember mm. that feeling and I know that intensity, but also even at this stage with a two-year-old, and I'm sure other mamas listening with older children, there, is, there are these moments where you realise, like I said before, you've hit your capacity, you've hit your limit. And the most important thing is whether it's a grandmother or an auntie or a friend locally, it doesn't matter who or what or whether it's 50 people or one person, that you can actually say to whatever that tribe is for you, I need you now. Mm. And that when you do, not only do you get the support that you need, but you get to breathe and soften and relax and recalibrate and readjust and reframe like you just said to all the things that you thought you needed and wanted to do and that's essentially part of the whole journey Mm. isn't Mm. it it's not just the support it's everything you learn from that yeah absolutely and I was quite surprised I mean on that note, I was really fortunate um, through my pregnancy to teach a lot of prenatal yoga classes. And so I was able to connect with other women who were expecting, even though they were women that maybe I had nothing in common with, Mm. except for the fact that we were all going to have a baby. Um, And I've stayed in touch with quite a few of them. And that's been my strength just to follow each other's journey and to share, you know, the occasional text message or something to see how we're each going. And even that's really supportive. And I feel like the way the tribe looks is very different these days in modern times in the Western world. And I'm in a fantastic um, Facebook group that's mothers only. And I do know a few people in the group or I have mutual friends and it's all through, um, it's a group through, um, you know, some study or training that we did. And it has been a blessing because I can go in there at any time of the day or night and post something in there. And very soon I'll get a response or a million responses. And, you know, majority of these women I've never met. And I felt, I've always felt so grateful to be in that one Mm. group. Um, And so that is one of the real upsides and strengths to social media and the internet um, because your tribe can almost come from anywhere. Yes. I'm really glad that you mentioned that. One of the gifts that I've had in this journey is um, messenger groups with girlfriends of mine who are in different states who have got children and being able to just download and then know that there's going to be a response and the same thing as you online social media platforms and I have always been so blown away by the outpouring of love and the desire to support and the desire to to hold your hand through the journey via social Mm. media in fact I'm really glad you mentioned that because I want whoever's listening to know that there are 
ways to connect with other mothers and it's not just mother's group, which I think is still really important. Get out there, your local area, get to know women in your area and go for walks, especially as your children get older, you'll need to be more social and out there. But Mm. online there are so many different ways to reach out and feel some guidance and some love that is so important from that um, more emotional side of things, that more spiritual, energetic side of things, not just who's cooking your food and cleaning your bathroom. Yeah. So let me just move into this space before we finish up and ask you about that connection side of things that you mentioned at the very, very beginning. You know, that asking for that connection, reaching out for that heart connection that is so important at, at this journey. How has that looked like for you and how have you done that? Oh, goodness. I think it's, to be honest, I think it's been fairly organic. Um, You know, I haven't sort of strategically thought about how to do such a thing. And it's been more that sense of, I guess, surrendering every single day. Mm. Um, And the organic connections that I've made. And also because I do have, uh, I guess, a public presence online and and also through my teaching I know a lot of people in the community personally and I have all my students and whatnot and um look yeah I, I don't really have a black and white answer to that but I feel like look my my greatest learning has been to have a vision and then be willing to let it go and I know that sounds really annoyingly cliche. Um, the cliches yeah. really annoy me. <laughs> In, it, you know, when you're Motherhood really looking is filled for some with wisdom. A lot of cliches. Yeah, but um, just the the connection with others, the connection to your own self, has just been through. Yes, have a vision, and stay true to that vision. You know. But at the same time, you've got to be flexible and willing to just watch things unfold. Mm. And you are going to discover different parts of yourself that you didn't know existed. You will discover how spiritual you really are or not. You will discover lots of things about yourself in the darkest, most fatigued moments. And I think it's important to be real and raw with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and I'm sure Claire, you can appreciate that in a public space. And I think that people really connect to you when you are real, mm-hmm. in, instead of pay, painting a perfect picture. And um, as I've said to you before, Claire, um, you know, we have generally had a pretty smooth ride through my pregnancy. The labor was beautiful and, you know, the postpartum period generally has been, you know, overall to an outsider looking in quite, I don't want to say perfect because it's definitely not perfect, but someone outside looking in, they might say, oh, that you've had it perfect and easy and and whatnot, Um, which is not quite true. It's never easy. Um, But we have been very fortunate and I, I don't deny that. But I think that yeah, my greatest learning to to be connected with myself and to connect with others is to be willing to just let every single moment unfold as it is and observe it as best as you can and learn from it as best as you can, but don't get hung up on how it looks, you know, to you or to what you expected because nothing is going to be 
as you expected mm. at all. Greatest, <laughs> greatest lesson in surrender, yes, becoming a mother. You can say that again. And mm. in terms of um, connecting to other mothers, has that been something that you have, obviously none of it's been deliberate, but is that something that's in, in your life at the moment? Do you, do you have that in that time with other mothers? And if so, how is that nourishing you? Yeah, look, I think a great nourishment actually comes from the fact that just merely by becoming a mother myself, I have such immense respect for other mothers. Like, Mm. and I don't mean just my generation of mothers or mothers with young kids, but I look to my own mum. I look to just the mother sitting across from me at a cafe who I have never even met before. There's like, there's like a knowing. Yes. I get you. And the smile that I might receive from another mother or that I might give to another mother without even thinking about it because Mm. I just feel the connection and I feel like I get you, you get me. And yeah, our circumstances are all, every mother's circumstances are going to be different. Our story, our journey always looks different and unique and individual to us. There's nothing black and white, but there's an underlying I get this, I get you, you get me. Wow, we have done something so incredible, so challenging, so overwhelming, so, you know, inspiring. And that knowing, even if you don't know the mother, is just so enriching mm-hmm. um, and is something that I have never found in relationship to connecting with others prior to becoming a mother. Yes. You know, you just have such immense respect and awe for for anyone that's gone through it as well. Mm, 100% agree. And that, that instant connection that you get, whether it's with someone you know or someone passing by, to me it really fills me up because it, 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 it's an immediate connection to an ancient tribe, isn't it? A tribe of mothers from many, many, many eons ago and into the future and that is something that you can never break. That, Definitely. That's something you're part of forever, and that's a that silent solidarity. To mm, me exactly strengthens me and makes me feel they've done it. Your mother's done it. It's it's all good. You've got this. We can all do it. We can do yeah. it. And they're holding you in their energy without even knowing it. And one of the prayers that I actually say over Soleil most evenings is I call in mothers, past, present, and future. Mothers, obviously, of pure heart and positive energy and I ask them to to circle in this space and to be here with with her and I and to give us the wisdom and the love and the knowledge that we need to get through whatever this moment is and even if she's perfectly fine just to hold us and that's something that makes me feel very much um, guided very Mm. much in the energy of guidance and love because I know I'm not going to die from this it's all good (laughs) (laughs) I'm all good That's so beautiful, Claire. There there are moments where it's just like, I just, I want to curl up and hide. No, you're not going to, Claire, because you've got this. You have to have this because they've had it and they will continue having it for till the end of time, whenever that is. Mm. So I have two questions. That's so beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. Two final questions just to wrap up here. And they're questions I ask all the mamas I speak to for our mama love. Great. And the first one is about meditation. Obviously, that's what Our Mama Love is doing, is bringing meditation and mindfulness into the lives of mothers in whatever way that looks like. Meditation is a very powerful practice for me and something that has shifted and changed, changed obviously, through the years. But I want to know for you right now where you're at, 
Are you meditating? And if so, what does that look like? Because I know that you're in the throes of newborn land. So what does that look like? And how could you inspire our mamas with what you're doing? Okay. It looks very, very different <laughs> to what it used to look like. Let me tell you that. I do not at this point in time have any structured time, like set time, you know, like classically it would be get up in the morning around this time. This is how long it would be for. This would be the, I guess, technique or approach that I would do. And that's it. Yeah. Now things as any mother can appreciate are totally unexpected. So it's not about daily. It's not about the time of day. It's about when I can. Yeah. And it definitely does happen, but it is often in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, so because I actually find that it's a really great practice to have in the middle of the night, and this is just a personal thing. It may not work for everybody else, but because I've gone through waves of feeling like when I'm feeding, breastfeeding at nighttime, waves of exhaustion that my whole body is about to like collapse and crush my own child to the point that I'm awake, I'm stimulated, you know, the mind's going bing, 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 bing. I'm almost, I'm like, oh, I could just go and do some work right now mm. and I can't settle. So I've gone through the throes of both those extremes. So sometimes it's like, okay, my meditation, nighttime, that's actually keeping me stable in, yes. you know, in a place of stability so that I can then rest and go back to sleep. And the quality of my rest is better because that awake time, has been more effectively used, I guess yeah. you could say. Um, and it's just stillness. It's silence and stillness. It could be anchored on a mantra. Um, so, and that would be uh, for me personally, a Sanskrit mantra. Um, it could be stillness or it could literally be putting my headphones in and doing a yoga nidra. However, yoga nidra would be more likely to be a, like a daytime practice yes. um, because I do now in more recent times, we use white noise at night from an app that I've got on my phone for Bub. Yeah. And that's been really effective for him to get through and also not to be woken by any subtle sounds or, or what have you. Um, yeah, but yoga nidra in the daytime has been, and, and I'm saying a short yoga nidra because, as Claire, you would know, some yoga nidras can go for 45 minutes to an hour. Yes. So I'm talking about the, the short, sweet, concise stuff that we can actually sincerely fit in. Um, and which are yeah. great for women like you and I who actually can't fall asleep during the day even if we're exhausted. So yeah, yoga nidra totally. is a good one. Beautiful. Exactly how my practice looked like at that point. And obviously now two years on, there's a little bit more of a dedicated seated practice coming back in but I think it's really yeah. important that you did say that it does happen in some way um, I really am hoping that whoever's listening to this is getting the inspiration that it, it's it's not something to push aside it has to it has to be in your life in some way but even if that's breathing for five minutes while you lie, lay in bed or stillness at the end of a feeding session at three o'clock in the morning in some way yeah. that a conscious practice of stillness is important yeah that's exactly right yeah so 100%. my very very final question for you before I love you and leave you one piece of advice if you had only one thing to say and pass on to mamas what would that be and it doesn't matter what stage they're at oh, okay um I'm going to say the advice I'm going to give was more relevant to me during pregnancy but I think it's still proving to be relevant now and that is a little bit of ignorance can do wonders. Mm. 
And I say that because particularly what I did during my pregnancy was I actually intentionally chose to research as little as possible and to learn as little as possible and to not worry about having to be saturated with information. And I surrounded myself by a very small number of books that supported and amplified my vision. So positive stories that were like the type of birth that I wanted to have. And so even now I have not been reading and not being attached to sort of this author's book saying this routine and this breastfeeding pattern is the way to go. And I've just been going one day at a time and watching, respecting what's been, I guess, coming through the communication from Bub as well. Mm-hmm. And to just, just to stop attaching to things having to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. So ignorance is bliss in this respect for me. Um, and that's been the most effective thing. Try not to saturate yourself with too much information. I think what you just described is not so much ignorance, but just being conscious in the moment and responding. Yeah. And not having layers Trusting. of expectation. Exactly, trust. And I think that applies to not only every stage and season of motherhood, but just life full stop, doesn't it? Mm. Because when you can't hear your own intuition, your own truth, and you're bogged down by all the information you've absorbed you know, your your guidance is kind of, your guidance system is out of whack, isn't it? So what you've just mm. described to me is just about the present moment, which is beautiful. And that's where the stillness comes in mm. and that's where the meditation comes in. Yes. So it's cultivating that that stillness, that sense of trust, that sense of calm and not having to necessarily reach out to books and Google and all that kind of stuff to tell you what to do and know that it's innately within you. And to everyone listening, do not Google at 3 o'clock in the morning. I speak from experience. (laughs) You may as well stick a pen in your eye. That would be much better for you than Googling at 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Oh, Amy, that's been a beautiful 40 minutes of time with you. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. And I know it's still unfolding for you as it is for all of us. So, Mm. I look forward to witnessing that journey from the sidelines and cheering you on. I appreciate you sharing. Thank you. Your yeah, thank you so much. I know she's pretty special, isn't she, mamas? So please, please do yourself a favor and connect with Amy. Head over to Amy E. Landry, A-M-Y-E-L-A-N-D-R-Y dot com and connect with her on all socials out there. You will love her energy and everything that she is all about. And like I said, keep an eye on her. I think there's some beautiful, beautiful things coming out of Amy very soon. Okay, guys, love and light to you. I am just one mama on the path to woke and I hope you choose to wake up with me too.